today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You procured these things for yourself. What things? Your wickedness. You brought this on yourself. Be sure that your sin will find you out. Again, God takes no delight or pleasure in judging sin. And He's always long-suffering and giving us time to repent. My goodness, He gave the Amorites 400 years to repent. Do you ever feel like the world is just full of wickedness? In today's message, Pastor J.D. talks about how we often bring wickedness upon ourselves. When we choose to act in ways that are selfish or hurtful to others, we contribute to the wickedness in the world. But the good news is that we also have the power to choose differently. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You have to allow the plow to come in and break up the fallow ground so that the seed now can be planted and new life can germinate and sprout and bear much fruit. But it has to be broken. How about this removing of the flesh by way of this circumcising of the heart? You know, the flesh, the world, the devil, the big three, as it were, Your heart is too fleshly. Your heart is too worldly. And here's the problem, my beloved. I I can't stand to see you in this condition, because there's so much I want to do, but I can't. You need to get it away, break it up, and cut it away so I can. And that's what he's pleading with them concerning. And it comes packaged with this again warning that if, if again, you don't do this, my fury will come forth like a fire. I've stayed my hand heretofore because I'm long-suffering. I don't delight. <laughs> I, I don't delight or take pleasure in disciplining and judging and chastising. It's the last thing I want to do. I want to give you every opportunity to repent so I don't have to. But we force God's hand. Now verse 5, declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together and say, assemble yourselves and let us go into the fortified cities. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay For I will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. Look at this imagery, verse 7, the lion, typically docile until there's occasion or reason to rise up. And that's what we get now here in verse 7, the lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of nations is on his way, speaking of Babylon. 
He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. For this, verse 8, clothe yourself with sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. Wow, how you doing so far? Are you okay? Well, it gets better. Actually, it gets worse. So <laughs> if you want, we can bow our heads and close our eyes. You can slip out. Of course, we'll stop you in the parking lot. Make sure you can't. You'll have to come back in. I'm just kidding, by the way, for those of you. <laughs> I've got to be careful what I say. <laughs> so what's happening here? What, why so strong? Well, because they haven't repented, and they're not going to repent. They're not going to take heed to the warning. And it's like God is saying, you're forcing my hand. I have to bring destruction and desolation, because that's the only way. It's come to this. It's the last resort. I have no choice. And verse 9, it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish, and the heart of the princes, the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets shall wonder. Then I said, verse 10, and we talked about this, I think it was in chapter 1. You're going to have to bear with me on verse 10. He says, ah, and this word, translated, ah, doesn't even begin, doesn't even come close to communicating and articulating the intensity and the enormity of the emotion in which it's said. It's a cry, it's a, it's a moan. And two letters in the English language are given to it, an A and an H. <laughs> ah, ah, you could even say it like this, ah, uh, Lord, ah, uh, Lord God. And then he says this, surely you have greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying, you shall have peace, whereas the sword reaches to the heart. What? <laughs> Did Jeremiah just accuse God of deceiving His people? No. I mean, at first read it, it might seem like that, but again, bear with me. I, I spent some time on this, asked the Lord about it. Certainly I go to the commentaries on this, but mainly the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you open up the eyes of my understanding to what you're trying to communicate here. And here's what I see verse 10 as. Jeremiah is just himself astonished. And I will even say he's confused. And he's really struggling. And we're going to see this. This will comport with the raw emotion that we're going to see here in a moment. But he's really having a hard time here. And the, the hard time has to do 
with why God is allowing the false prophets of the day to deceive the people by prophesying peace, peace. It's all good. Oh, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's a doom and gloom prophet. No, it's all good. It's all going to be okay. And Jeremiah is really struggling as to why it is that he, he's not really blaming God. I think that's too strong. But in all fairness to the prophet, what he's doing here is he's questioning, he's querying the Lord as to why it is that he's allowing these false prophets to deceive the people. Now, Lord willing, next week in chapter 5, at the end of the chapter, I want to say it's about verse 31, we're going to get these blanks filled in and these dots connected because he does say that they prophesy falsely peace. We saw this in Isaiah. It's replete throughout the prophets, the books of the prophets, both major and minor, where they prophesy peace, peace when there's no peace. In Isaiah it was more like this, the people were demanding it. Speak to us only smooth. We don't want to hear that. And Jeremiah is greatly struggling with this. God, the sword is coming. Judgment is coming. I'm, I'm warning the people, this is what's coming, and it will come. And it did come. God, why are you allowing these false prophets to deceive your people, telling them, nah, it's not going to come. Again, you're just going to have to bear with me as I just share my heart here, because this is an issue. I get up here every Sunday by the grace of God, as is my privilege to. And really what I'm doing, especially as of late, for what I would hope would be deemed obvious reasons, I'm sounding the alarm. I'm warning the people because according to the prophet Ezekiel, if I don't warn the people, then the people's blood is on my hands. And conversely, if I do warn the people and they don't take heed to the warning, then their blood is not on my hands, it's on them. I've done what God has called me to do, as unpopular as it is, but I would be disingenuous at best and dishonest at worst if I did not tell you that like Jeremiah, I struggle with this. God! <laughs> not quite that bad, but sometimes it does get like that. I mean, I grip my teeth. I'm not angry at God. I'm certainly not accusing God or blaming God. I'm just, I'm just questioning God. <laughs> They're telling people, yeah, that's, that, don't listen. They make YouTube videos. Don't listen to that doom and gloom guy. Nah, it's, it's not the end. It's all good. Keep moving. Nothing to see here. Keep calm, carry on, peace, peace. It's all good. And I'm like, no, it's not. God, they're, they're giving people false prophecies, false security, false peace when there's no peace. And I know why. Again, I would be disingenuous at best, dishonest at worst if I didn't confess that 
I mean, I'm not above it. I'm certainly capable of it. Hey, listen, I want to, I, I want to be able to get up here and just tell you smooth things. Nothing would make me happier. You know, not last year, but actually 2020, there was a, there was a time where <laughs> I just remember distinctly crying out to the Lord, going, Lord, no. <laughs> and by the way, Jeremiah is going to do that, spoiler alert. He's going to say, I quit. The only problem is slaves can't quit, just so you know. Nice try. But he couldn't. He said, I've had it. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm warning the people, as you've called me to, they're rejecting it. They're rejecting me. They want to kill me. They hate my guts. I'm losing friends. People are leaving the church. But I'm speaking the truth. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get up there. Can I just, can I just have like a month where I just get up there and just talk about the love of God and all the goodness of God. And I'll just all have a big group hug and kumbaya. Oh, that would make my life so much easier. I would sleep so much better. Oh, the spiritual warfare, non-existent. I mean, why? Why the enemy's going to, that's when you worry is when the enemy leaves you alone. You should really be worried when the enemy sends you a thank you card and a gift card and a bouquet of flowers to your wife. Keep up the good work. <laughs> you are absolutely no threat. In fact, you are furthering the kingdom of darkness. Thank you so much. You just keep getting up there telling people what they want to hear, what their ears are itching to hear. You just keep doing that. But I can't. And Jeremiah concedes and he says, you know, I, I couldn't because there was a fire. You put a fire in me that burned so hot, there was no way I could shut my mouth. It's akin to what the Apostle Paul said about the love of Christ constraining him, propelling him. You just can't not. I know that's a double negative or improper sentence structure, but God, I, you've called me to this. I have to warn the people. I'm speaking truth, but yet they can go down the street and hear a message of peace. You shall have peace. That was the title of their sermon last week, Lord. No, right here, verse 10. You shall have peace. Oh, I want to. And then I got this other guy over here, and the title of his is Warning About What's Coming. Let's see. I think you shall have peace. Warning about what's coming. I think I'll go to the You Shall Have Peace Church. I like that better. That's just more <clears throat> palatable. So you really can't blame Jeremiah. I mean, he's just struggling here with why it is that, and, and even taking it further, think about this. Here he is warning and prophesying about what's coming, and nobody's responding, and he's pointing the finger of blame at these false prophets that people are flocking to in great numbers, like Paul writes to Timothy, that will happen in the last days. 
because they won't put up with, they won't tolerate sound doctrine. They won't tolerate the truth. They don't want to hear it. So they, they have dull ears. They're dull of hearing. They stop their ears. They won't hear it. Ah, I don't want to hear it. But then they have itching ears to hear what they want to hear. And there's no shortage of those like in Jeremiah's day that will tell them what their ears are itching to hear. You shall have peace. Well, verse 11, at that time it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, a dry wind of the desolate heights blows in the wilderness toward the daughter of my people, not to fan or to cleanse, <laughs> A wind, verse 12, too strong for these will come for me. Now I will also speak judgment against them. In other words, the, the winds that are coming, they're not pleasant like trade winds. You know, we love the trade winds. No, these are hurricane force winds. That's what's coming, the winds of judgment. Behold, verse 13, he shall come up like clouds and his chariots like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. That's kind of fast. Woe to us, for we are plundered. Oh, Jerusalem, verse 14, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. He's still pleading with them. How long, and I want you to pay particular notice to, of this, how long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you. Interesting choice. Of now we would say in our day, I got something lodged in my throat. It's lodged in there. I've got to get it out of there. Well, they had evil thoughts lodged within them. Several months ago I stepped on a shard of glass and it got lodged in my foot. Now at first I thought, ah, it was probably just a very small piece of glass. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God will, you know, the way we're made, the, you know, there's things in my body that will go to it and begin to dissolve it, but it didn't. <laughs> This thing was really lodged really deep in my foot, and it really hurt. And as you know, I have no pain tolerance. I get a hangnail, I want Jesus to come back. That's how bad it is. I'm just super hypersensitive to pain. When I go to the dentist, which I pray I never have to go to the dentist again, I pray the rapture will come before I ever have to go to the dentist again. But he has to always give me extra Novocaine. He said, I have no patience like you. I was like, thanks a lot, doctor. I really appreciate that. And you're special. <laughs> what is up with you? I'm just, I'm a sensitive guy. That, that was my story, and I'm sticking with it. I just have, I mean, I feel everything. I think there's maybe something to that. I don't know. In the physical sense, my wife is the exact opposite. Praise God for that, because she's the one that gives birth to the children, <laughs> three of our four children, no epidural, natural. I was there. I, I hurt so bad instead of her, for her. I'm like, oh, this is bad. I'll take the epidural. 
But man, she has such a high tolerance for pain. Anyway, this thing is so painful. And I had to go in, and they had to cut into my foot and pull it out. And they showed me, and I took a picture of it. I didn't want to take it. I said, throw it away. Get thee behind me, Satan, you shard of glass. <laughs> but I took a picture of it. This, this thing was huge, and it got lodged in my foot. You see where I'm going with this? They had evil lodged in their thoughts, deep in their thoughts. Verse 15, for a voice declares from Dan and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim. I don't want to hear a sermon on affliction. I want to hear a sermon on prosperity and goodness and love and forgiveness and all of those things are biblical, but this is a message from the prophet Jeremiah about affliction. Proclaim affliction? Preach affliction? Make mention, verse 16, to the nations. Yes, proclaim against Jerusalem that watchers, some of your translations render it, invaders come from a far country and raise their voice against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field, they are against her all around because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord. So this prophecy, by the way, of this invasion coming from the north with all the imagery that we just read, the affliction from Mount Ephraim coming from the far country, this is Babylon. And they would do exactly that. It would be, some believe, about Interesting number, by the way, the number of judgment, 40 years. Oh, that's not in my lifetime. Everybody thought it was going to be in their lifetime. Ah, we, got, we got plenty time, plenty time. Oh, really? 40 years away. Yet notice Jeremiah is prophesying with such specificity. And what's interesting is that it is exactly as Jeremiah prophesied. Now verse 18, I want you to notice, and I'll emphasize this, your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. You see, very clearly what the lesson is here, right? You brought this upon yourself. You have no one to blame but yourself. Oh, but we will always blame everyone but ourselves. They're to blame. He's to blame. She's to blame. No, 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 no. You're to blame. You procured these things for yourself. What things? Your wickedness. You brought this on yourself. Be sure that your sin will find you out. Again, God takes no delight or pleasure in judging sin. And He's always long-suffering and giving us time to repent. My goodness, He gave the Amorites 
400 years to repent before the judgment came. That's called long-suffering, and he does that with us. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.